This is Out of Rich Darkness. I'm Camille Savage-Kroll. And I'm Elena Chia. We started this podcast during the coronavirus lockdown of March 2020. In our conversations, we challenge ourselves to think out of the box and out of the concert hall about music and life. The sound of a second Camille here. A quick note before you hear this episode. It is Friday, the 1st of May, and we recorded this episode for the first time (laughs) um, about a week ago, exactly a week ago on Friday. And we had to record it twice, which you'll hear why in just a moment. But that was, (laughs) that was unfortunately kind of how the whole week went. Um, It was a week for me, at least, of a lot of challenges, a lot of um, challenges with teaching and, and also with just noticing what teaching so much online and spending so much time in front of a computer is doing to me. It was kind of a rough week. And it ended with my daughter in the hospital. Um, She is doing fine, but she has an autoimmune disease. And we had a scare this week, which delayed us getting this podcast out. I also want to explain really quickly uh, that I speak at one point in the podcast in the beginning about meeting with sitting with neighbors in their garden. And um, I just wanted to give a quick update about Corona, we are starting to have the restrictions be lifted. But when I say I went and sat in the garden with my neighbors, uh, this was of course, with a good amount of distance. Uh, So I just wanted to make sure that that's clear. I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, here we are again. Again. <laughs> Seems like I just saw you yesterday. <laughs> you, you saw me yesterday. We we're definitely <laughs> doing a take two now because after almost an entire hour of a really good conversation. It was a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I looked down at my stupid microphone <laughs> and there was no battery. And even though it looked like it was going to have plenty of battery, it had died, and then the track was gone, and then there was no saving it. And but it actually tied into our conversation pretty well, because we had been talking about the technical difficulties that everybody is having in adjusting to digital learning. Yes. And yes. there we, we just had to experience it again. Yeah. <laughs> And I got to practice calming myself down. (laughs) (laughs) And now we get to do it again. And I'm actually very sure that there's a good reason we're getting to do this again. Um, I think so too. We're both a little 
a little tired, maybe a little more chill than we were yesterday. We've come down, yeah. I think, off of our first full week, at least my first full week of yeah. um, of teaching online. Yeah. And um, I know you've been at it a little bit longer, but there were some challenges and, and we'll get yeah. to those very quickly. Yeah. But first of all, we really want to say thank you so much to everyone who listened to the podcast, our first episode, um, yes. our, our baby episode that we sent out into the world. And, um, and thank you so much also for the feedback that you gave us. We got a lot of messages actually from people all over the world who listened and were touched or curious who had some questions and feedback for us and please keep it coming. We really yes. appreciate that. You can check out our Facebook page, which we now have or our Instagram and keep the, the questions and the feedback coming. Yeah. Um, and it's really exciting to hear from you because this is exactly what we wanted with this podcast. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. And maybe we can actually jump right in with a couple of questions, which we received. One was, what music we are most looking forward to hearing or performing when this pandemic is over. Mm. Do you want to have a go at that? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, my quartet has had to cancel a concert next week and a recording next month. And we were talking about this yesterday too, actually, how... It's not actually the concerts I miss, but I do miss just being in the room together with them and playing and having fun and chatting in between and just just experiencing the the rapport together and the music that we're planning to record is Corn Gold Third Quartet and Chrysler and a piece by Sophie Kamen Eckhart Kamate. And very exciting yeah it's really exciting and and we really love those three pieces so i really am looking forward to playing them with my quartet mm -hmm. again at the end of this yeah and um i would say the same i'm not totally at the point yet where i'm i'm missing the traditional concert format which i feel kind of guilty for saying but it also i think tell <laughs> tells me something <laughs> <laughs> about myself but what I am missing is making music live um, also with my students there's one course everything else I've moved online but one course for this semester and that is a course that was basically improvisation based and I decided not to teach that because there's something about being in a room in a space a physical space with other people that you cannot replicate online. There are lots of opportunities that digital learning brings, but there's something about being in a space and not just hearing with your ears what's happening with other people, but feeling it with your body. Yeah. And, um, and I miss that. Um, yeah. I really miss that. And that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to. Maybe at the end of the semester doing that in a, in a block format. A block yeah. seminar. Um, otherwise, that's going to be a course that gets pushed to hopefully the winter semester. Mm. We really don't know yet how things are going to go. We're we're right. staying open and flexible, but I'm looking forward right. to that again. You know, speaking of concert formats and concerts in general, I have an enormous confession to make. Actually, along the same lines, which is 
something I realized really, uh, I think, powerfully today that I feel such a release from pressure mm. <laughs> to not have to play any concerts and to not even have to try to acquire more concerts in this music scene where it has become increasingly difficult to acquire concerts if you are not already a very big name artist. It is such a relief. And it's it's let me do all sorts of things that I would never normally get to do or allow myself to do. That's interesting. Like, sit around for an after afternoon and read Emily Dickinson yes. <laughs> as I did today. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. and you know, I, I was just telling you this before we started recording, but similar with me, I just meandered over to my neighbor's garden and sat with them for about an hour this evening, just spontaneously. And that is also something that I did, unfortunately, way too little before Corona because I was always, and we talked about this in the last episode, always driven by this. I mean, I think I realized this week that I am a productivity addict and um, a, a recovering productivity addict. But <laughs> I constantly had this, this need to be doing things. And, and I felt that pressure also that you were talking about, but I've realized most of that pressure was created by myself. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I told myself, you know, this is, uh, this is pressure that's put on me from the outside. And, and it's not that that's not true. But in the end, the question is, how much do I choose to absorb of that pressure? And how much do I let bounce back off of me? What do I choose to accept um, from the, the voices that are coming from, um, from yeah. the outside external voices telling me, what I have to do. And, you know, maybe, maybe they're not even, maybe they don't even exist. Maybe they're just in my head part of the time. Mm. And how much do I listen to myself, listen to, to the voice inside again, what we talked about last week. Yeah. But I've been, I've been kind of taking that to a, to a, for me to an extreme mm -hmm. <laughs> and asking mm -hmm. myself with almost every little decision that I make, what do I need right now? Do I need to clean up my desk or do I need to take a nap? Do I need to read a book or do I need to go jump on the trampoline with my daughter? <laughs> what do I actually need right now? And, and allowing myself to really look inside and check myself and not just be driven by this maybe even non-existent force yeah. that, I, that I imagined to be yeah. steering my life. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, <laughs> but exactly, and and because of this time of not seeing people, not seeing friends, not seeing colleagues, it is um, it's particularly confrontational with uh, in terms of the voices that are in my head. So. And it becomes particularly obvious that that voice saying, you have to do this. You have to get this done before you can take a nap. You have to get this yes. done yep. before you can enjoy yourself. That, that that voice is in my own head. Mm -hmm. But as you said yesterday, it's also not my voice. It's right. not 
it's not the voice that belongs to my inner, maybe higher self. It's something I learned, picked up somewhere and probably magnified and attached mm -hmm. it to some kind of system of reward and punishment. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and there it is going along unquestioned in the noise of everyday life, even in relation to our artistic lives, our creative mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And now well, it's just you... much harder to ignore that. It's, it's much harder to ignore the fact that it's coming from my head. Right. Isn't that interesting? And I think that is maybe a result of spending so much time with ourselves. Yes. Because normally it's, it's so easy to, to get those voices that we have bouncing around in our heads mixed in with all of the other interactions that we have. Mm -hmm. And then we can sort of tell ourselves, oh, that's coming from, from, from there, or I'm getting mm -hmm. this pressure from here. And mm -hmm. now we're, <laughs> we're spending so much time with ourselves and it's, it is a perfect opportunity to question yeah. what is me and, and what is someone else who we maybe carry around with us who doesn't even exist, mm -hmm. but maybe someone from our past or, or a bad experience we had that has turned into an inner voice. Mm -hmm. um, what is coming from, from other sources that that should not be directing our lives. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Taking back control. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking this week a lot about, about the idea of, of taking control of my life again. And it, it has been in connection again with this idea of slowing down and pushing back against this idea of, of having to always produce more and faster um, and without pause. Mm. And I, I've gotten my hands on a really great book recently, which I can not recommend highly enough, which is called Reversing the Cult of Speed in Higher Education. If you haven't heard of it, um, I do recommend you get it. The Slow Movement in the Arts and the Humanities by Stephanie Gerhardt and Jonathan Chambers. And I haven't read the whole book but yet, but I've, I've started to, to read parts of it. And um, what I've realized kind of for me is not just how perverse it is that this idea of of speed and producing that 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 has seeped into the arts because that's that's totally the opposite of what <laughs> the arts are supposed to be for yeah there's supposed to be a place and a space for slowing down and reflecting yeah. and um and living with ambiguity and they've totally in in institutional settings gone in, in a completely different direction. But yeah. I've also been really thinking about how is it possible that we start to resist that? <laughs> what does it mean to resist yeah. that cult of speed? I wonder if resist is the right word or because I'm always thinking a little bit in terms of natural phenomena and I was terrible at it, but I took Kung Fu for a couple of years way back. <laughs> <laughs> and the principles there were, were use your energies, use your opponent's energy. And if, if possible, just go out of the way of harm. Just don't yeah. even engage with it. And this is how right. I tend to think. This is how I've actually always navigated through institutional life so far, even though 
the voices in my head aren't really happy about that. But uh, I think resist is not the, it's not the strategy for me. What I'm noticing is already possible right now is that some of the things we talked about even just last week in our first episode are already coming to pass because we we have this stillness and it's not just you and I, it's the whole world right now. I mean, obviously not certain professions, no. but our students, my students are largely stuck in their home countries and some of them are not able to leave their houses at all. And so things have really, really slowed down and there's a real hunger for a different way of doing things, mm -hmm. a deeper way of looking and learning and experiencing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I came across two other really interesting in completely different contexts, but two other really interesting ideas um, that have stuck with me this week. And one was from um, an artist from South Africa a visual artist um, who said, Billy Gazangiva, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but she said the ultimate act of resistance is self-love. Mm. And Oh, that's beautiful. And that has nothing to do with the other book I was reading, but I ran across that and I thought, wow, <laughs> that, that really does fit exactly with what I was thinking about. Um, in terms of listening to my, to my own voice and then even going one step further and learning to not just listen to it, but to love it. And I'm not even sure what that means yet. But in order to mm -hmm. do that, I have to be still. And I'm very sure about that. Mm -hmm. I have to be, I have to be still enough that I can hear myself and, and accept myself and, and love myself. Oh, I love that. That makes perfect sense to me. And can I just quote a little Emily Dickinson too? Because <laughs> that, that is, I, I feel like this is the other side of that coin, this short poem. Much madness is divinest sense to a discerning eye. Much sense, the starkest madness. Tis the majority in this, as all, prevails. Ascent, and you are sane. Demur, you're straightway dangerous and handled with a chain. Much madness is the divine sense to a discerning Darkest madness And so it seems to me like in the everyday noise of our previous lives it was uh, it was so much easier to assent and to just not be labeled crazy, <laughs> wrong. Yeah. 
Oh, and how great to be able to, I mean, just what we're talking about right now, to be able to have the time, not to have the time, to take the time mm-hmm. um, to, I don't even know how to say this, to accept the time <laughs> to converse yeah. with other other artists and other um, yeah other voices who've thought about this. I mean, this is normally, unfortunately, and, and this really is tragic, but this is not something that I spend a lot of time doing normally around the beginning of the semester. I am, yeah. I am just cramming for my courses. And I'll tell you, the only reason that I spent so much time looking into various visual artists is because I switched, completely changed focus of one of my courses, just had to throw out the window what I had planned because we were we were planning um, a, a music festival for children that there's no that's way right. to, to do. And we were working on performances for that and workshops and, and that's mm-hmm. been canceled. But I've decided now to give a course on deep listening and slow art. And, mm. um, and this is not something that I'm an expert in, but I just thought this is a great opportunity to start reading up and learning. And that's what I've been yeah. doing and immersing myself in. And I've been coming across all these great ideas. So um, mm, amazing. thank you, Corona. Yeah. <laughs> and also you teach what you want to learn, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I, every, every time I have to start teaching something new, I also feel like um, I, I really know nothing about it. And mm-hmm. and maybe even a few years in, I still know nothing about it. But I'm <laughs> I'm curious and yeah. taking my baby steps alongside my students, mm-hmm. my co-learners. Yes, but yes. that's so exciting. And as I already told you, I want to take that seminar with you. <laughs> Deep listening. That sounds you are more than welcome. That sounds like exactly what we all need right now. Yeah. I'm especially I'm very convinced of that. Yeah. Yeah. Deep listening in the sense that we were just talking about listening past mm. those voices that we think are our own, but they're not. Right. And in a music context, I've come across some some interesting ideas. But what I'm what I'm really starting to realize is um the focus of, of this course and this semester with my students is not going to be on deep listening maybe in in what people would think of right away in an analytical sense but what i'm far more interested in right now is what happens in me what happens with me when i listen yeah and that's fascinating and and of course then you know we're we're definitely going to explore what is music and and talk about yeah, listening in the context of composers like John Cage and Pauline Oliveros, who who kind of created this deep listening movement, if if you want to call it that, and and you know we're not gonna it's it's not about adopting a particular practice, but but more exploring these ideas and and then asking ourselves how can we use these ideas to feed our own souls that then allow us to to create new things. Or yeah. not, because it also has to be the right time. Creating things Definitely. is not about pushing buttons and, <laughs> and doing things on command, but, but really feeling inspired. And um, I haven't found a word for this in English, but there's this fantastic concept in German of Muse, 
Uh, yeah. Um, well, it's kind of leisure, but it is, but it isn't because leisure yeah. is free time is it has different know, connotations. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There, there's not, there's not a direct translation and um, yeah. which I didn't really realize until this week, but that's also something that I'm going to be discussing with my students in this course and, and what role that plays in, in creativity. Oh, that's and the how perfect time we, to do that. <laughs> yes. And how we need to integrate that into also into our academic life because it's absolutely it's unfortunately been in the in the Bologna reform that has happened in Europe um, there's been very little space left for yeah for Musa and along those lines we were talking last time about what we had jumped ahead two years and we were envisioning our future and you were talking about students creating their own exams yeah. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this has taken an interesting turn now, right? For I think both of us. Yeah. And that's really kind of hilarious because basically right after we had that conversation, it so happened that we started having to to think, well, how are we going to do exams, the ones that we have right now, how are we going to, to do them this semester? We've been, and I put in quotes, but, but forced to make this semester a normal semester that counts for all of our students, which is for some of them deeply unfair, but it's, it's really about um, how, do we, how do we create now new opportunities for people to check the boxes. And, um, <laughs> and it's, it's exciting because I've had, I had a lot of conversations with students this week who are trying to figure out how they're going to do their final exams. And they have the opportunity now to think outside of the box and to, to plan things that would not have been thinkable in non-corona times. Um, yeah. So I don't have any specifics yet, but basically what I kept telling people who were worried about, uh, students worried about, well, is it going to affect my grade if I really just try something completely new? And what happens if <laughs> this doesn't work and the technical issues and, uh, and yeah. just trying to, I just tried to encourage them to, to go for it and try it out because I think this is going to be a chance to see if there aren't other ways of doing things that we can um, even when we are able to be together live again, that we can't incorporate or even just expand our, our options. Yeah. Um, what's possible. And I'm yeah. very excited to see what happens, to be honest. I'm excited about this too. And that has started to happen in, in my class as well. One of my students is, is considering doing something with improvisation in one of her exams. And that's something that's kind of, uh, ignored largely in the string world and I just told her yeah go for it you're you have your two required pieces so offer a third improvisation and nobody can punish you for that and <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing that'll happen is you don't end up playing it but another really interesting upshot of this time is or the side effect is that because my students are all stuck in their countries and and unable to play with other people they are they're really craving this kind of connection and and searching and so when i first came to the hochschule in freiburg 5 years ago oh 6 years ago oops mm -hmm, mm -hmm. time flies wow <laughs> so 6 years ago i had all these ideas i wanted to implement i had the the idea of this uh, Welt Salon 
I called it the world salon where I, it was kind of like a talk show where I invited people sometimes online and sometimes live to talk about their often unusual original careers, creative careers in music. And I also wanted to do improvisation concerts and there was no space for that in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And sadly, eventually I gave up on the, on the salon series because I was having to squeeze it in, in between all the other obligations I had and students were having to squeeze it in, in between all the other obligations they had. So people didn't really come even though I knew they were interested Mm -hmm. and people told me they were interested. So now I'm able to do all that online mm-hmm. and the students are asking for it and they're laughing and saying, Oh, it's, you know, all these things that you wanted us to do now we really all want to do them. And it's suddenly possible. <laughs> and it's possible. And I've invited two guest teachers to help in my, in my cello pedagogy class to help us with techniques for online teaching and for, uh, teaching improvisation online and and just in general doing that. And so we're going to have these really exciting workshops that would have required at least at least nine months of advanced planning under normal circumstances. <laughs> and now right. because of this situation of everybody being at home and no concerts going on, I can hire people on the spot and everybody, all the students are ready to absorb and really interested. Yeah. And so we're all participating in a totally different kind of learning. And I feel it's a different kind of concentration even. This is fascinating too, because we have these online studio classes where my students will send their videos and everybody watches them alone. And then we give each other feedback. And I notice the feedback is, it's so much more, uh, it's so much more considered. It's deeply reflected. People are really listening in a different way and watching and analyzing than they did when we had our class in the middle of a day of busy rehearsals and other classes. And they were people were coming and going and running off to the next thing. Yeah. It comes back quality. to that idea of doing one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. which we talked about in the first episode and we also talked about in our first take of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How wonderful it is sometimes to teach things in a block and and spend some time going deep and not having the the interruptions that come with with daily hectic life at a at a music institution. Yeah. Um and and now we're we're starting to to think looking forward about how to make this possible when we see each other in in live settings as well and and how maybe there can be a mix of yes of some of these ideas it's not that one excludes the other but that there're just more possibilities now exactly and i would love to share this little bit of feedback that i got from a student oh yes please do please do who gave me permission yes yeah so she wanted to tell me how she was finding it with these online lessons where the students send me a less a uh, a playthrough video or they can also share a little bit of their practicing and they can ask questions they send me that video and i send them a lesson video back and then we have a conversation about it the following day so 
She wrote, after a very nice practicing session, I would like to give you my impressions about this new lesson procedure. It's really working for me because one, I really have to think what my problems are and put them into words. For example, I have a problem. I have problem X because X I'm doing X to resolve it, but it doesn't work. It has happened to me that while preparing the questions, I solved them. <laughs> I had never named the specific questions, and that has been a great step forward to gain consciousness in my practice. Number two, I became really aware of how I am practicing. The fact that I have to record the practice and not the final result is a very nice way to practice being active. Three, it's really nice for me to decide how much time I take for each difficulty. Normally in lessons, I get nervous if I don't get something in the moment and I tend to feel frustrated. This format really gives me my space. It's also nice to decide when I'm not concentrated enough to try out your input, I can just pause you and come back <laughs> later. <laughs> and number four, which is very touching, I still miss the normal lessons. There is no substitute for the energy you transmit during the lessons, which has been my biggest help until now. But still, I'm very thankful that you put so much effort into this challenging time and wanted to let you know. So that's, that's touching great. and encouraging and exciting. Yeah. And it really speaks to that idea of not excluding one option over the other. Exactly. Um, it's it's really these these possibilities going hand in hand. Right. Um, that that is going to make, make learning different, I think, radically different after Corona. I, I'm very interested to see yeah. changes. Um, I'm stick. fantasizing already mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. because I see how incredibly healthy this is for me. I mean, first of all, just honestly, I have not been in one place that was my home above all i have not been at home for so long in i think easily over 20 years <gasps> i think wow. since i came to germany in 1997 i have been more or less frenetically traveling whether it was for concerts or teaching or both the entire time wow <laughs> And this stretch of six weeks now, I think is the longest time I've been home in over 20 years. And (laughs) so just having so little input is really changing the way my mind works. It's allowing me to be creative in different ways. And, and I, I don't want to go back to the old way. That doesn't mean that I never want to leave home again, obviously. I I love traveling and I love being with lots of people on a project. And I I hope to be able to combine that in the future. And this is what we talked about in the first episode also, these periods of looking inwards, reflecting and creating on our own and then having projects coming together together for certain periods of time. And then again, going back to the reflecting, which is, it's such a necessary part of our existence, not just as artists, but as human beings. Mm -hmm. 
It's like, I feel like I was constantly inhaling before never exhaling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even in this, I, I mean, people think of me as a pretty chilled kind of meditative person, I think. I, mm -hmm. I still think that's funny because I don't feel that way. But that's what people seem to see in me. And and yet, it, despite all my efforts to become more grounded and to meditate and to reflect a lot, uh, there has always still been so much noise in my head and in my everyday life. I mean, I think the idea, the thing is going to be taking this stillness with us. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad actually that this is going on long enough. And again, we just have to reiterate, it is a terrible tragedy what is happening in the world. Um, yeah. And in no way am I happy that this pandemic is is dragging on. And I know that I'm incredibly lucky to be sitting at home mm. um, figuring out how to how to do my job and and um, my family is healthy and I'm, I'm healthy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the beginning we were thinking, well, maybe this is going to be two weeks of life being different. It's clearly going to be a lot longer than two weeks, which is which is a tragedy. But in terms of changing our mindset it's an opportunity because yeah. it's not, it's not a blip. This is the yeah. new normal <laughs> yeah. for this foreseeable future. And so we're really being asked to create life new. Yes. Oh, I was just listening to a podcast this morning where Pico Ayer, the novelist and essayist was interviewed and he was talking about the loss of his home to fire in the context of this pandemic and said how it really, it shaped his life to come because he was, when it came time to replace the things that he had, he said he realized that he didn't need the majority of all the things that he had. Mm. And, yeah. and that it was a huge opportunity. He said there were, there were different there were people who reacted differently in the community. There were the people who, as soon as it was possible to go back to the old way they did. And then there were other people who said, well, wait a minute, let's reflect. This is an opportunity to start something different, a different way of life. And this is the chance that I think you and I are really, really taking the best we can, <laughs> making the most of this. This is the, big lesson for me personally i think this this period as probably every event in history it has enormously different consequences for each individual mm -hmm. yeah. but for me personally the takeaway is this is the time to establish your new life establish new habits and and feel how it is that you that you live best because yeah. when you're living well for yourself, when you're honest with yourself, then you're able to give more. And that giving comes out of a very authentic place because it's just yeah. bubbling up out of you. Yeah. It's not something that is draining or that you're having to pull out of yourself, which yeah, can sometimes be the feeling that, that I have at least. Me too. 
And I've been trying to figure out what the difference is because when I look at it from the outside, it doesn't seem like I'm doing anything radically different in my teaching aside from the fact that it's online. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like I've changed my philosophy. It's just, it actually just feels like it's okay to be teaching this way. It's okay to be me. <laughs> yes. Whereas yes. it doesn't feel like it's okay to be me right. or I don't let me be me when I'm in yeah. this context of the institution. Yes. I'm constantly, yeah, I'm constantly on the, on, on the defensive mm -hmm. as if somebody yeah. might come in at any moment and attack <laughs> the way right. I'm doing things, which has never happened. Right. It has right. never happened. I'm going to be really interested to see the feeling that you and I have when we finally end up back at the Hochschule, yeah. walking into the building. Because it's a, very, it's a very particular physical feeling that I get when I walk into that building. Mm. And, um, and I do kind of put on certain pieces of armor when I do it mm. subconsciously. But it's going to be interesting to see if I can maybe leave them someplace far, far away and and not not feel the need to do that because I am okay how I am, and what I have yeah. to offer is what I have to offer. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Well, we talked about an idea when we first came up with this podcast of giving our listeners the chance to um, participate in some way mm -hmm. in challenges, if you will, um, like ones that we're giving ourselves. And I don't know if this is a challenge, but um, it's a little I've, invitation. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. And it comes from the, the research that I've been doing into deep listening. And maybe some of our listeners will want to try this out and even let us know how it went for them. I have a listening meditation from Pauline Oliveros that I'd like to share. And it's very short. It goes like this. Take a walk at night. Walk so slightly that the bottom of your feet become ears. And that's it. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to Out of Rich Darkness. This podcast was recorded remotely from Freiburg and Berlin. Original music by Camille Savage-Kroll and Elena Chia. We really appreciate feedback from our listeners. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate it or leave a review and tell your friends about it. <laughs>